We can see the victories of Christ this morning and the victory at the cross. And our message today, a um, message today is about brokenness. A message today is about brokenness. I'd like to invite you to stand together because I want us to read together. If you can stand on your feet, if you are able to stand, just stand together because I want us to read together the word of God before we pray for the word. Brokenness from the book of John, chapter 12, verse 20 to 30. John 12, sorry, John 12, 20 to 30. The Bible says that now there are some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request, Sir, they said, we'd like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Verse 25, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in the world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where am I, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Verse 27, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save him from this hour. No, it was, it was for this very reason I came to this hour, Father. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Verse 29, the crowd that was there and heard it say, it had, I mean, said it that had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. May you bless your word. May you open our hearts to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Our message today is about brokenness, and I know there's so many ways people look at the brokenness, different things. Um, but today, I want to give you the brokenness that Jesus is inviting us to be part of. Brokenness is an inward contrary spirit over to our own sinfulness, which leads to humility, surrender, and godly dependence. Nancy DeMoss also says that brokenness is a shattering of my self-will and the absolute surrender to my will, to the will of God. We are living in a society where brokenness is a big deal. Brokenness is something that people 
don't want to think about. It, it's not just now, because even then, the Pharisees had a challenge. It's amazing because if you look at the days of Jesus, the Pharisees were the people that every young boy and girl admired to be. Every family, every mom, every mother admired to their son or daughter, whoever to sit under the Pharisees to be taught and to learn after, and, under these people. They were the people that were seen as the purest people in the society. They were the people that were seen as the holy people in the community. They were the people that were seen that were closer to God than any other person in the community. But yet when Jesus is coming, we find out that the Pharisees are the same people because of their own selfishness and their own desires. They'd rather have Jesus killed for fear of the Roman society will feel that everybody's following Jesus. The people that the community fear that they are the broken people, that the God-fearing people, they are the people that had the salvation within their heart. They are the same people that Jesus is saying that the opposite. According to Jesus, the broken people were people that the society refused, people that the society Shattered people that society labeled, people that society did not want to associate with. And as we are going to see, that you see as many people of those community rallying behind Jesus, following behind Jesus to embrace Jesus, to celebrate the new thing that Jesus has brought, to enjoy the freedom that Jesus has introduced, and to worship the God that Jesus is sharing among the community. But yet the so-called, the clean, the so-called the Pharisees, the so-called the most holy people in the community are plotting to kill Jesus Christ. What an iron. What a shame. And friends, I'm here to remind us that yes, it's good to be so religious. It's good to stick to a religious. But sometimes religion can become the heart of a coconut not that you, it's hard to break in. It's hard even for the heart of Christ. It's hard for the Holy Spirit to penetrate in and bring healing and freedom. It's a painful to look into an honest mirror and see who we are and what we've done as people who are capable of horrible things. But personal brokenness is an opportunity for restoration and for us to authentically enjoy our friendship with God again. So why is God looking, why is God looking for a broken heart? That's my question today for each one of us. Why is God looking for a broken heart? Before we look at the topic of brokenness, I'd like to, I'd like to take us to a quick overview 
through the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is one of my favorite Gospels in the Bible. I don't know about you, but when I look at the four Gospels, John, for me, is one of my best. Because John does not name so many miracles in the Bible, like any other Gospels. John only gives us seven miracles in the Bible. And there is a reason why he does that. They're very significant, they're very specific, and they're doing something in the Bible. If you look at... uh, If you look at the very first one in the Bible, John is talking about the turning of water into wine at a wedding in the feast in Cana. And the second one, John is looking at the healing of another man's son who was at the point of death in John chapter 4. The third one is the healing of a man at the ship gate pool, number 5. The fourth one is the feeding of the 5,000. Number five is the walking on water. Number six is the healing of the man born blind. And number seven is the raising of Lazarus from the dead to alive after four days in John chapter 11. But I think for me the two miracles in John chapter 9 and chapter 11 stands out for me, especially chapter 9, where Jesus is looking at this young man and saying, No, no, the disciples are telling him, what went wrong with this person? Is it because of the sin of the family? Is it because of something the parents did? But Jesus is saying, this is for my glory. And the message that Jesus is painting for us is saying, friends, we need to open our eyes. Because Jesus picks soil and makes it wet with saliva and puts on this guy's eyes. And they open up. And Jesus is inviting people to see. Jesus is performing miracles. He's changed water and wine in Canada, but people are still doubtful. He healed a young man. People are still doubtful. He's fed 5,000 people who are hungry. People cannot see. He even walked on water. And I is trying to tell people, open your eyes. People cannot see. And now he does his last demonstration with Lazarus about what is about to happen to him by raising up Lazarus from the dead. I'm not sure about you, but if I watch Jesus change water into wine, I've seen him heal somebody. I've seen him talking to a lady at the well, and the lady goes and calls the the community, the Samaritans, people in the community, and they've given their life to Christ. He's fed 5,000 people from just a piece of fish and bread. But yet, we are doubting him. In fact, on that Sunday in John chapter 9, he's accused for healing somebody on a Sunday or a Sabbath day because for them, a day was more important than miracle. 
And your friends, you can do things religiously. They become so important. They become so personal than the God that is inviting us to work with him. I want to encourage us. It's good to have things that you do in the week. It's good to have, to have a busy time. It's good to have a busy diary. But when somebody said for me one day that diaries have become more stressful than in the days when no diaries. Because sometimes there are people and you ring them and tell them, can I see you next week? They tell you my diary is full. A lot of accidents are happening around the, around the cities today because you're looking at your diary. You need to be in another meeting in 10 minutes and you can't make it. So you try to overspeed together in time. I wonder what my grandparents did without diaries. <laughs> in Africa, we were looking at the sun. We didn't have day saving those days in Africa. There's no day saving. We just look at the sun and know this is 12 o'clock. So our schedules have become a hindrance even for the Holy Spirit. We can't even pray because of our schedules. We are too busy. In chapter 12, in chapter 12, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, and Jesus is treated to an honorary dinner at this home. As we look at chapter 12, verse 20, of what you're sharing today, you can see that everybody else is against Jesus. But people that were broken, people that have understood the mission of Christ, people that have understood why Jesus has come, they're embracing Jesus, they're welcoming Jesus, they're inviting Jesus for a meal. But as, you see, as you've seen in verse 20, at this particular time, Jesus himself is even fearing for his life. And that's why even before you see him in, in, in verse 20, Andrew and Philip have to recommend you to see Jesus because they're trying to make sure that the people that are actually visiting Jesus are the right people because Jesus is predicting death. The Pharisees are looking for Jesus to kill him. When the Greeks and other Samaritans and other genders are looking for Jesus to celebrate, the Pharisees are looking for Jesus to kill. The most religious, the most holy, the most feared, the most anointed people in the community, they're looking for the Messiah they've been waiting for these years to kill. While strangers who are the outcasts, people that never, never had a chance even to get into the holies, People that were refused in the community, they're the ones celebrating Jesus, they're the ones even hosting a party, a dinner for Jesus. But yet the most holy are plotting to kill him. Yeah, can I have the next one, Steve? After dinner, Jesus then 
After dinner, Jesus then entered Jerusalem to a great fanfare. And some people call it like a Palm Sunday. Stalking fears that his popularity will attract the anger of the Roman Empire. And that anger even inspires a murder plot against Lazarus that had just been raised from the dead. You see, friends, people have seen the miracles of Jesus. People have heard the teachings of Jesus. People have been told about the things of Jesus. And now they want to celebrate Jesus. They want to welcome him in the city with celebration, with joy. And everybody in the city is looking at this wonderful Messiah, wonderful Jesus. But the Pharisees are plotting to finish him. As you see in verse 20, where the Bible says that, describe this group of people as Greeks, non Jewish people who worshiped God. And this group approached Philip and Andrew, requesting to see Jesus after the triumph entering Jerusalem. While the Gentiles and other community had broken hearts and joining Jesus in numbers, the Pharisees and some of the Jews were plotting to kill Jesus. What am I saying today? What am I saying today? We may not be killing Jesus physically, friends, but our unbelief our doubts, our hardened hearts, our pride, all these things and many more are killing him. When the message of Christ is preached and you doubt it, when you get the conviction and you harden your heart, when pride comes into your heart and starts to take over, you may not physically kill Christ but you're killing him in a different way. In his book, Calvary Road, Rehashon says that brokenness in daily experience is simply the response to humility, to the conviction of God. In other words, brokenness is not something that happens in a, in a day. When you go seven and you fell down, you shed tears. Brokenness is not, is not a feeling that you feel. It's not an emotion. Brokenness is a process that God is working through our journey, our lives. And don't agree here with Roy. It's daily experience in simply the response of humility to the conviction. When Christ is convicting us every day in our hearts, in our journey, in the things we do, and we respond to that conviction, and we give in to that conviction, and we listen to that voice, and we walk that journey, that's brokenness, according to Christ. 
But when he's convicting us, when he's teaching us, when he's encouraging us, and we continue to harden ourselves, brokenness becomes history. Brokenness becomes hard for us to embrace in our journey. And that encourages, listen to his voice. Listen to his spirit that convicts us. Listen to his word that changes us, that can make us become the people that he wants to speak to. The Lord Jesus is the perfect picture of a single grain of wheat which can only become fruitful under broken soil. And read in verse 24 that says, For unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it appears, it bears much fruit. The only way it can be fruitful is to allow the brokenness of the soil around us to break, to break. Probably farmers can understand that better. You know, my parents were farmers. They understand the breaking of soil. The breaking of soil allows the seed to grow and to mature and to transform and to become better. The harder the soil, the harder for the seed to grow. I get back to my question again. So why is God looking for a broken heart? Why is God looking for a broken heart? Next one, Steve. God is looking for a broken heart to revive. God is looking for a broken heart to revive. You know, it's hard to revive something that is hard. Something tough. I, mean, I don't know how you can do it. And that's how the Pharisees were those days. They couldn't be revived. There's no, there's no way. But with brokenness, I always think about the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel takes, God takes Ezekiel into a valley and shows Ezekiel bones. They are dry but broken bones. He says, you know, these bones can live. These bones can have life. These bones can grow. Yes, you can be hard, but when you're broken, when you're broken you, can, you can put together. You can be fixed. But when you're broken and you're hard, it's just hard for people to deal with you. It's hard to go to deal with us. And my invitation today, I don't know what is hardening your heart. It could be just pride. It could be doubt. It could be a religion that is hiding your heart today. And God is saying, unless you let that go, unless you give it to me, unless you surrender that to me for it to, to be shaken and put into good soil to grow, you're wasting your time as a Christian. Number B says, broken people have a dependent spirit. They recognize the need for God and others. Broken people are quick to admit their failure and to seek forgiveness when necessary. Like I said earlier, we had two communities of people. We had the Pharisees 
to the Thou, the Holy, the most gracious in the community. But they were not broken people. They had pride. They're full of themselves. And we had these people that the community had put aside. The community had said, you know what? We don't want to have you. The community had labeled them in the community. That the people, you look at John 12, 20, among the Greeks and other people that were coming to visit Jesus, they're asking, how can I be able to talk to Jesus? My prayer for all of us is that, please, in your journey and my journey, that God will allow us to be broken. Because it would be so embarrassing for me to stand here and that day I can't even fit in that door. It would be so embarrassing for me to stand here and tell you about the salvation and tell you about the good things of the kingdom of heaven and just looking from a distance and not be part of it. I want to pray and you pray for yourself as well. That you'll be among those people that will be those that will be harvesting and standing outside the door and saying, can I come in and enjoy the freedom? Can I come in and celebrate with the King of Kings, Jesus Christ? Can I come in? But if you're hardening your heart, you'll be among those people that are plotting to kill him outside. As I finish this morning, as I conclude, a few things I want to discuss with us this morning. The first question is, am I willing to die to the things of myself and come to the place where I'm able to put my old sinful nature in the place of death so that I may be raised up as a fruitful branch that honors my God and Savior? Are you willing to let yourself go? Because self can become a hindrance. And self, a lot of time, is connected with pride. It's connected with pride. i never forget the story of Naaman. That Naaman was requested so many times by the girl, the house girl, to listen. Eventually, he was asked to go and wash himself a number of times in the river. It took brokenness for Nama to do that, the king. It took brokenness for this young man in John chapter 9 to actually go and wash the mud that was put on his face in the river. It took brokenness for the woman at the, at, the, at, the, at the well in John chapter 4 to actually serve Jesus water. People that Samaritans and Jews that could not even work together. It took brokenness for them to, to eat together because I'm not sure about your culture, but in our culture, if you can't eat with somebody, you can't eat with somebody. And that's why the parents told us you cannot eat with this kind of people. And the Samaritans were told you cannot eat with the Jews together because these people, they're the same people that are killing us. They're people that are destroying us. They're people that are calling themselves holy. It took brokenness for this lady at the well to offer Jesus water at the well. Brokenness. 
It took brokenness for Mary. The Bible said that she took this jar of oil and put it on the feet of Jesus. And people like Judas Iscariot that they had following Jesus for years, hearts hard like a stone. Do I think about the poor? That this oil, we could have sold it and offered the money to the poor. Why would you pour it to Jesus? The question number two. To break our wills to his, God brings us to the foot of the cross and there shows us what real brokenness is. We see those wounded hands and feet, that face of love. And that face of love crowned with thorns and we see the complete brokenness of Jesus. Number three. The one who said that not my will, but thy done be done as he drank the bitter cup of our sins with dregs. And this is Jesus. As I finish the man that I really admire in the Bible, so is David. David was a king, and it was not easy for kings to come and say, I'm wrong. Kings were feared people. Kings never made mistakes. Kings were never wrong. But David looks at himself after killing the, his soldier and taking his wife to become his, his wife. And he writes Psalm 51. At least what he says, verse 16 and 17. He tells God, you do not delight in the sacrifice I would bring. You not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice to all God is a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart to you, God, you know, despise. In other words, if God wanted even a million cows, David would have sacrificed them to God. Anything that God would have wanted, David could have offered to him, whether it's gold, whether it's money, whether it's part of the territory. David had the authority to offer it. But David realized that there's nothing that God is looking for. He's just looking for a broken heart. And he went before God and apologized and said, God, I'm sorry. Because you're not looking for the sacrifices. I tell people, you can even donate your house. You can donate millions to the church and the community. You can give millions to Australians and, and donate food to Africa, to every child in Africa. You can pay school fees for every child in Asia. You can go for every mission in the world. You can come to church every Sunday and read the Bible every Sunday. But if you don't have a broken heart, and a contrite spirit. You're not ready for transformation. You're not ready for revival. You're not ready for the experience of God in your life. The things you do for God 
You cannot outdo David. You cannot be a giver than what David gave. You can never sit in a higher office than David. He sat in a higher office. You can never meet the biggest dignitaries in the world, whether they are kings and queens in the world. You can never outdo David. But David realized that it's not about the things, it's not about the places you sit, it's not about the people you meet. It doesn't matter whether you have a plan and a purpose to build a sanctuary and a temple for God. It doesn't matter. God is looking for a broken heart and a contrite spirit. A place where you come and tell God, I'm sorry. That's not about me, it's about you. And today I want to make an altar call for you. I want to invite you to think about your journey. Maybe your brokenness is not about the hardness of the heart like sin. Maybe your brokenness is could somebody hurt you and you have bitterness towards God. Maybe something happened in your life that had destroyed your brokenness. It could be your family, your boss, the community. Even some of us pastors, something's happened to you. And it has hardened your heart that you don't allow God to penetrate in your heart. I want to pray with you today that as you walk from this place, that God will open up and, 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 and help you to break that and allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and transform you and help you to, to become alive with, his, with him. Before we pray, I would like to invite those of us helping to serve communion because I want us to look at this communion. Communion is an illustration of brokenness. He's saying, my body was broken for you. Those helping to serve communion, just come forward, please. We want to do that now. He's saying this body was broken for you. The blood was shed for you. Not for anybody else. The bread and the blood is a symbol of brokenness in our journey. And I want you to, just where you're seated, as you take that communion and the bread, I just want you to hold it for a minute. We'll eat together. Just hold it and say yourself a prayer. Talk to God about yourself. Tell God what is happening. Talk to God. If you haven't been served and you would like to be served, just put up your hand and they'll bring for you. Anybody? I'd like you to hold the bread this morning. Just hold your bread and tell the Father, thank you. Because the body that was broken was broken for me. The body that was broken was broken because of my sin. The body that was broken was broken because of my, my, my pride. Whatever you want to talk to him about. Lord, thank you. Let us eat the bread together. Hold the cup. 
Lord, we thank you for this cup. Because the blood that was shed flowed because of our sins. Even though you were despised and rejected, you did it for me, Father. And today, Lord, as I drink from this cup, I pray that let your will be done in my life and not mine. Let your work be done in my life and not, and not my work, Lord. I know today there are many who have walked in this place feeling hopeless, feeling that you're far away, God. And Lord, I pray for them, God, that you may revive those hearts that are willing to be revived, oh God. Let us drink together. Let's stand on our feet and I would like to invite the worship team to come back. As you do, just pass the cup because I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Let's stand on our feet. I want us to pray before we sing our do song because I feel in my spirit that there's somebody, there's somebody that would like prayer this morning. If you came to this place this morning and you're feeling heavy in your heart. I want you to come in front today as a symbol of declaration. I want you to stand and stand here because I want to pray for you this morning before you go home today. Don't, don't, don't feel shy. Don't, 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 feel, don't feel like people are watching because God wants to help you to be that place that he can start bringing change and revival. In your life. I'm waiting for you. To come. As I wait for you. I'll stand here and allow the worship team just to sing. But I'll be waiting for you to come. Because I want to pray for you before you go. Yes.